Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's 360 program. Mm -hmm. We end the week every week with a special story from the news that seems to resonate in our hearts with something that's a spiritual lesson. Yeah. And because of that, we try to turn back to Scripture to say, what does God have to say about the thing that His Spirit seems to be pinging in our minds and hearts as we read what's in the news? So welcome back. Thank you. You know, I am a firm believer that everything we view in life needs to be from a kingdom perspective. How our worldview should be influenced by the kingdom work in our hearts. As much as I would like to be influenced every day to do good things, you can't really build a life of Christ-likeness without building something first, Mm -hmm. the foundation they talk about. Mm -hmm. And the foundation is Jesus. It's going to be a strong building. It's not going to crumble on itself. It's not going to collapse. Right. We know that from Scripture, but we have to think about what does it mean to really build on Christ? Mm -hmm. For me, it means that his character is already rock-solid. He's already demonstrated what it is to be appropriately oriented towards the things that God loves, the things that God's about, the things that God wants to do in and through us for the benefit of those he's reaching and loving. I believe that's what the core meaning of that is. Not just to act like Jesus the way we think he would act, but to think seriously about what God already says about his relationship with his son. Learning from this and asking God to live it out in us. We should... I say, with a little hesitation, because I don't always do this, focus on the red letters, as we call them, the words of Jesus. It's like, we don't have to think about it. You know, do these things, he says. I'm honored by that. And God in heaven blesses you when you do the things that you're commanded to do in Scripture. Sometimes we try to go to Scriptures that maybe help us not do things that we <laughs> yeah, are really should, we really should be able to do, we really should be doing. That's kind of what the story that we're looking at today is focusing on. There are things as the body of Christ that seem to me, and maybe I am naive, but are no-brainers. Yeah. We're just not doing them. Really, when we say the term no-brainer, it's not that we don't have a brain or that we don't use it. It's that it's so practiced that like good muscle memory is in a sport, you've done this so many times, it's not even a question about whether you would or how you would do it, you just do it. A no-brainer then means you have already at some time in the past engaged your full mind, your full heart, your full body and soul and strength into something that does God's work. And you found him there Mm -hmm. because your heart is inclined to want to find Jesus in everything. Yeah. This is not going to be an easy solution to the problem we're going to read about. I want to give kudos to the newspaper that recorded this particular story. It's not what we would consider good news media. Mm-hmm. This is a what we call a street rag. Yeah. This is a newspaper that focuses on arts and culture and life within the city. And they tell tough stories about what's going on, not always pleasantly for those they're reporting on. Other times they lift up people that have never been honored. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting kind of journalism that seems to be the last one that's still standing, really, right. in a lot of cities. And this comes from the Inlander, and they're dealing through a series on homelessness, what's happening on the streets and how the city and the surrounding areas are responding to it in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. This article is called, More Than 200 Spokane Churches Were Asked to Open Their Doors to Homeless People during a dangerously cold weather snap. Four. Agreed. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is more to the story here, so I'm not going to be slamming the churches for not stepping up. 
But there is a hint here that something much better could have been done to prepare for this, and there should have been a much better buy-in from the churches to help save lives during a really cold snap. And for us, it was like well below zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for several days in a row. And not long before the cold snap hit the rest of the United States, like pushing 10-degree temperatures down to Texas again. Mm -hmm. Even up here, where people are used to living in colder weather than they do down in the Deep South, it still was a brutal cold week. Yeah. So obviously people were in danger. Well, the story opens up talking about the mayor of Spokane, and she's new in her job. She's only been there for a month now as we read this article. But the first two weeks of her tenure as mayor were the two weeks that we had that very freezing weather. One of her campaign promises was to take care of the homeless in the city. Because every other major candidate at the time for mayor in the city of Spokane had vowed to get the homeless people off the streets. Mm -hmm. No details about what that meant. And the only agency that was equipped to actually move people off the streets was the police. Mm -hmm. In other hidden agenda items for budgeting, most of the other candidates for mayor in the city had advocated tripling or quadrupling the expenditures of the city on jails Mm -hmm. and prisons and cutting medical and relief services to the general population by over half. Mm -hmm. So they were doubling down on the idea of law and order as somehow saving the city from something far worse. The numbers for me really didn't add up. You don't punish people, lock them up, and then have to spend five times as much money to feed and house and clothe them inside an institution versus just spending it on the streets through a charity like mm-hmm. the Salvation Army or the Union Gospel Mission. Yeah. Something was going sideways in my mind about the way they were going to try to approach this. This new mayor stepped in and said, wait a minute, that's not how we're going to solve this problem. I will deal with it. I'm not going to step away from the issue of homelessness in our city. But that solution, buying five times more jails, is not going to do it. The problem was she didn't have much of a plan either yet. And so he stepped into this. And like you said, within two weeks, suddenly we got this massive cold front coming in that was threatening lives. What can you possibly get done in two weeks to try to solve this problem? Well, that's where the story kicks in. Well, she did reopen a shelter that had been closed sometime last year. Mm -hmm. It was an emergency opening because there were some updates that needed to happen in that shelter. But that was only 183 beds and there needed to be more beds. Now, in Spokane, there is a large population of homeless, many of them are single people, but there are many families that are also homeless. That wasn't going to be enough. They need to have space for families to have a little privacy, maybe, or to be safe. The streets are not a good place for that. And their cars, especially in this cold weather, are not a safe place. Especially when you're trying to heat them, when you're trying to cook food in them. It doesn't work. I think the plans that are built over time do a really good job of taking into account what the needs of a community will be if they have to address this problem in a certain way. But that takes time, right? Right. This mayor did not have that time. Yeah, there's a small group, if you will, of volunteers and service providing agencies that step in and do constant work to address the needs of the homeless population. And she says the plan was simple. We're going to call the churches. The second paragraph in the article says, The Spokane Mayor, Lisa Brown, criticized the city's perpetual lack of planning during her run for office last year, and she pledged to put a better system in place. But when that blast of Arctic air descended on Spokane and brought temperatures below zero during her second week in office, she too was forced to scramble at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Not fair for her, but it is a perpetual problem for cities like Spokane. We're not the only city around that has this problem. Well, she says later on in the article, the idea of using churches to house homeless people during cold weather has long been in the making. Right. 
In theory, it does make sense. Hundreds of churches around the country actually set empty every night. With city shelter space consistently below what's needed, why not ask faith communities to help? But it's been an uphill battle for her here in the Pacific Northwest. And not just for emotional reasons, for practical and legal reasons. It becomes very difficult to try to meet those needs in a facility that was originally not built for housing refugees or people that are homeless. They're built for being places of worship. Now, two of the ministries that you and I have had personal experience with that we've really been floored by the magnitude of their reach, of their ability to save people and change circumstances, are both found in Europe and not for dissimilar reasons. One was in Posen, Poland. We've talked about the Bread of Life Ministries a number of times in this program. And the church in Galatz, Romania, that's right along the border with Ukraine. They were forced to face up to what was coming. The Bread of Life Ministry started the way you would want to start from scratch, followed God's leading, and in walks Richard Dungesser to a train station, starts handing out hot cups of tea on a very, very cold night when he found out that many homeless people were hiding out around train stations. Mm -hmm. And the government had zero plan for how to deal with them or take care of them or encourage them to get somewhere safe. So he jumped right in, followed God's literal leading by the Spirit to do Mm -hmm. something specific, and that was to warm up their bodies so they could survive the night. And that expanded into a mission movement that became a church And the church itself was built around those and by those who had been brought off the streets. Mm -hmm. So it was built from the ground up from the kind of people that Jesus spent his time with in his earthly ministry. And so it was very much a first century kind of Christianity to me. The church in Galatz, Romania, was a different story. They were focused on the needs of the poor in their community already. But they had built a church in such a way to be what we consider a modern evangelical performance-oriented sanctuary. They put a lot of resources in building a really, really nice performing arts center. And then the war with Ukraine starts. Suddenly, they're being swamped in their city by hundreds of thousands of refugees in that one town. What were they going to do? They're kind of the same position that the mayor of Spokane is in. You instantly and suddenly have all this need. They, in a day, chose to make their facility open to refugees. And they made the commitment for as long as God requires it of us. Mm -hmm. They suspended all of their programming, all of their normal activities. Everything that a church would normally do. They just stopped and they said, we're going to worship together, but we're going to worship with whoever God brings us every single day. This has become more of a tabernacle, a temple, a Mm -hmm. place to gather than just a church facility where you would go to once a week. They started having meals together three times a day. Every meal became an opportunity for worship and sharing. They invited their congregation to come in and volunteer in any way possible. They converted all of their office space and the office building and the school building on their property into refugee housing immediately and had no end game in sight for what they were going to do with it. They just were obedient. And they're still in that mode. Can you imagine holding your church together for years where you didn't have a normal church service? You didn't have people visiting and just enjoying the music or focusing on people's feelings and their needs and their desire to grow spiritually, but actually told them, we don't want you just to learn about the Bible. We want you to do the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do that for as long as God says he wants us to. That was an overnight transformation of a traditional church by the Spirit of God, I believe. And they're still doing it. It is phenomenal to me that it has worked. The people keep giving, keep working hard, keep tithing, keep supporting the work. And churches around the world have noticed what they're doing. And they've stepped up and say, we can help support you from the outside as well. Kind of like nations are supporting the country of Ukraine in their struggle. The church, the body of Christ, has united around these examples of people who have taken the word of God seriously and expect God to show up but also expect God to show up in the people that they're serving and transform lives along the way and make them part of the family. Not that these people remain other, 
not that they remain on the outside or that they will soon go away. And in the meantime, we've been hospitable, but they are key, essential building blocks of the kingdom of God. So our job as a body is to find out what does God have for them? How is he going to be using them to build his kingdom in the future? Therefore, how can we be part of that bigger plan? Maybe this is a rhetorical question. Maybe there is an answer for it. How do we transform our thinking and our mindset? How do we have a paradigm shift within our own bodies to think like that? To think... The first thing on my mind is I got to help these people. Right. I think about tragedy bringing on the best and the worst of us. Like in China, they had major earthquakes in the middle 2010s that suddenly the government was not capable of keeping up with all the disasters happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so they quietly allowed the churches who said we would like to help to come and do the helping and actually lead initiatives to reach villages and cities that had not been reached at all by the army after the earthquakes. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they discovered that the church, the body of Christ in their midst in China, was actually pretty good at this. And they did a great job of reaching out and dealing with the needs around them. They actually did the thing that was in their book. Mm -hmm. And they noticed that. And because of that, there's been a detente with the government for about the past 20 years that the Christians are not anti-Chinese. They're not anti-our country. In fact, they are faithful and loyal citizens that want to help the people in their country. That attitude changed overnight because they were willing to step up. Mm-hmm. But it took a major national tragedy to shake everybody's foundations enough to say, we don't know what to do now. Yeah. So it was a total reset of their thinking. Well, don't you think that the magnitude of unhoused people, of homelessness in this country is bordering a national disaster or maybe even is a national disaster? Yeah, I think probably we should treat it that way. However, for me, it's very much a frog in the kettle problem in that we don't see ourselves slowly boiling to death. Mm -hmm. It has just enough to annoy us. And even the border crossings in our country right now with the desperate coming out of South and Central America because of the collapse of their governments and economies and agricultural environment, it is a total crisis right now in Central and South America in many countries. It's not a total crisis for us. That's why they're coming here. Mm-hmm. But we see it as a great annoyance That's and something that is a threat not to our existence, but our comfort, really. It hasn't gotten to the point where it's a crisis for us. That's mm-hmm. my belief. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it's not a problem or that it doesn't need to be solved. I think it absolutely needs to be resolved somehow. But I don't believe that the solution for our own immigration crisis right now is one that is a true national crisis. It is a true annoyance. If we were suddenly that desperate where our economy was collapsing, we would have to do radical things to rethink all this. But at times like that, the church might actually step up and say, we will lead, not just follow or complain. Well, I agree that it is important to address those issues, to address the crisis at our borders, which is huge. It's also a deep-rooted, compassionate, spiritual thing. Welcoming the stranger is the basis for a lot of what we do as believers. You yeah. know, it, And not just as Christian believers. I mean, the very heart of the Tanakh, the Old Testament scriptures that the Jews have relied upon since their very inception as a people— required a certain code of hospitality that was expecting that every time was an opportunity. Now, here's a question for you. We often think of terms of being tested in our faith. In the Old Testament, we start seeing episodes that are from Genesis to Judges, where angels showed up, and they're recorded as having been there. Looking in hindsight, the writers would say, yes, in fact, that was a spiritual encounter. When Lot was being challenged to leave the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, that whole judgment situation there, he was challenged to get out by 
as we understand angels. Mm -hmm. Those stories inform us that angels do, in fact, show up. They are the agents and the messengers of God. Mm -hmm. They have a purpose. And their purpose is not to harm or kill us or torture us. They're to help lead us into the things that God has for us. They are figures of salvation and bringing us to a place of safety. Mm -hmm. So they show up quite often. In Hebrews 13, first three verses, it simply says, Let love continue among you. Don't forget to extend your hospitality to all, even to strangers. For as you know, some have unknowingly shown kindness to heavenly messengers or angels in this way. Remember those imprisoned for their beliefs as if you were their cellmate, and care for any who suffer harsh treatment as you're all one body. Another way of saying that first verse is, let mutual love continue. If you've been loved by anybody, love back. Mm -hmm. Start from knowing that you are loved and then love. And don't forget to offer hospitality mm -hmm. to strangers, not just the people you love that mm -hmm. you know, because you just don't know yeah. what God or who God is going to send you. Well, I think that's a good mindset to have, honey, that I don't know who this person is. I don't know that God hasn't allowed this encounter to bring me closer to him, to bring me more into his likeness. Mm -hmm. um, if we have that mindset that every person we encounter, every living human being that we come in contact with is made in the image of God. Yeah, yeah Margot Day then we have maybe a better idea of what it looks like to serve the kingdom. We serve God by serving those who are made in his image. Now, I know all of the stories, all of the arguments against these things. I even looked up some things that are causes of homelessness. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, people use these things as an excuse not to help the homeless population. Maybe they did something and they don't deserve my help or whatever, or they're afraid. Fear is often a big reason for not helping other people. Right. Sometimes we other people. Those people are like this. Those people do these kind of things. Some of the reasons that cause homelessness around the world, but primarily here in the United States, the first and most common is addiction. Addiction does not make person bad. Objectively, yes. Subjectively, we feel there must be something going on that they're responsible for. They brought this on themselves. Mm -hmm. The second biggest one in our country that we note and we always think about is mental illness. People who are for some reason disturbed and are disturbing to us as we see them. Not that they are in need of help because they're incapable of crossing over to something better but simply that they are a threat because they are mentally ill. Now, of course, we know objectively that not every mentally ill person is a threat. Some can be, the psychosis and the physicality of it. But we don't stop there as believing Christians and say, okay, therefore, because people can be addicted or can be mentally ill or both, therefore, we have no moral obligation to address the issues that cause suffering for people who are addicted or who are mentally ill. If it ended there, we have enough to talk about. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that causes homelessness that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, well, another very big reason is domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Across the U.S., 50% of homeless women and children are fleeing domestic violence. Now, there are a lot of temporary shelters around the country for these kinds of cases. But you have to have a plan. And oftentimes, the fear is a huge debilitating part of it. You just don't know what to do. Your fear of not having the money, having your children taken away, of having to go back into an abusive situation. And there are plenty of laws in the United States that do, in fact, remove children mm -hmm. from a parent who is trying mm -hmm. to flee domestic violence. Well, it's a tremendous risk. Yeah. 
Choosing homelessness over abuse is very brave, in my opinion, but it is scary. Another one is job loss or underemployment. And so they are living in their cars or RVs or tents, and shelters also can't sustain this for long term. Foreclosures on home, they're finding themselves upside down because the interest rates have gone up and their wages have not, so they can't match the increase. From 2008 to 2009, foreclosures jumped by 32%. That was the beginning of the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. Post-traumatic stress is another one. On any given night, as many as 200,000 military veterans sleep on the streets. The percentage of veterans with post-traumatic stress is growing among those returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. Adapting to a normal life, quote-unquote, in the U.S. is proving to be extremely difficult for the men and women who have served us overseas. Some are unable to cope in a normal home situation, and they have to leave. I've heard plenty of stories of servicemen and women who have fled the homes they're living in because they are afraid of doing harm to those Mm -hmm, they love. mm -hmm. I remember even years ago talking to my dad about his time in the Korean conflict. He said that there were many times that he was fearful that he would injure my mom in the night if he would wake up with a terrible dream. And in fact, there was a story of one night he woke up and he was choking her. That was really hard to hear my dad say that. But it reminds me that this is a huge problem. Most people in American history, they fight a war, they go home. Mm -hmm. Even career military wouldn't be fighting in war after war after war. Mm -hmm. In the past 40 years, the percentage of people who have fought in multiple conflicts that have been downrange more than four or five or six years of their lives is exponentially growing. So the number of people who have been exposed to and gone through trauma on the battlefront is bigger than it has ever been. These are realities of real people who are facing homelessness or in danger. Cycle back briefly to our original question and the article we talked about here, which by the way is available on our website on the podcast page of this program. The question of what do you do immediately to deal with the problem? I want to say that when this article identifies the call went out to 200 churches and the city is scrambling, And only four responded yes. I want to give kudos to those. Absolutely. I don't know if the four churches that said yes even had a plan. Maybe they did. Maybe they already had homeless ministries that they were able to ramp up to help. Most importantly, they said yes. But I don't like that the government is stuck at a moment like this and having to go to the church and say, bail us out here. And then have the churches either unable to or unwilling to say yes. We got to be better prepared than this. There needs to be thought put into what it means for a church to get involved in solving this problem again. If the government, namely this mayor's office, could have started with, if we were to get the churches involved, what would be their biggest reservations to helping us? And go tackle that question. Spend some time learning from those who are actually in ministry, who actually say they want to serve the poor. They want to see healing happen. They want to see life transformation happen and dialogued with them so that we can work together to solve the problem when it comes up next time and be ready for it. I'm hoping that the mayor of this town is thinking that through before it happens again and include the people of faith. Mm -hmm. This is not going to stop happening. There's going to be major events like this. What can we do to be ready for the next time and be able to tell the government, this is the best way to do this. We've already committed ourselves to the things that the Bible says are the right things to do for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. This is how we can help solve this problem for you. The causes of homelessness are not reasons for us as a body of believers to reject them. They are gifts of understanding where these individuals are coming from and these families. My last thought is the danger of othering. 
You know, when God himself says, I am with those who are othered, (laughs) Jesus one-ups this whole idea of hospitality. He says, not only may you have entertained angels unawares, whenever you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me, not just like you've done it for me, as if I was there. He's saying, I am literally there receiving your hospitality and your generosity and your compassion. You're literally loving on God by loving on those who he's put right in front of you. When did we see you this way, Lord? When did we not see you this way? If we're motivated by this idea of encountering the eternal and the idea of entertaining an angel is kind of exciting, should we not be as excited to see that God himself is the guest in the room, not just an angel? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we've got to wrap it up for this program. But I do want to motivate people to really think on these things. Maybe talk with people in the church, their pastors. Are there better ways to prepare for the next time? Because there are going to be the next times. On our website at CompassionRadio.com, we'd love to have you correspond with us and let us know what God is moving in your heart. Thanks for joining us today on Compassion Radio. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.